first guest of the day here on FT, and I'm actually going to be on his show next week. Uh, Br- wow. Brody Brazil joining us right now, um, NBC Sports California covering the Bay Area. Uh, we're going to get into some Oakland A's. Uh, that that is beyond an A plus setup, and you can see that setup on his YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah, what do you what are you mixing over there, big doll? You want to see? Uh, I can I can change cameras. Ooh, look at that! Wow. Real fancy out here. Yeah. Goodness. Yes. Uh-oh. You know what's crazy? I I got into the home studio game well before the pandemic, but boy, it came in handy in 2020. I did a full season of A's baseball from my house. It's awesome. Brody, Brody, before Scott, before Scott, yeah, good. We can't, this isn't Scott's normal, this isn't Scott's normal spot. That's normally AJ's spot. He likes how the background tan makes him look tanner, (laughs) but there is so much jealousy in this single shot right now because let's go back to Brody for a second. I look very tanned, right? No. It's because of your ficus in the background. Oh, Scott yeah. Scott is so – he is – oh, look at that. He wants he wants more foliage in his background. Oh and his God. other shot, he has foliage. So there is jealousy here. How did you know what that was? You it's guys are you guys are burying the lead. There's one more to this. What kind of coloring is behind Brody? Oh, yeah. You're always talking about that. He's Let's, got the neon DJ, DJ. ever-changing colors. I'm Mr. Electronic Music. He's freaking My home studio. so jealous right now. My home studio is like a teenager's bedroom. Uh, it's just how it is. <laughs> it and actually, true story, this this fake plant has survived from my college, first college apartment years. So, like, this thing has been in an attic. It's been in a storage uh, space. Like, it's it's lasted 20 years. So I figured I'd give it some love, give it some airtime here. Were you, a, were you an A's fan 20 years ago when you first bought that plastic plant? <laughs> I was an A's fan. I'm 42, so I was an A's fan 41 years ago. Uh, went to my first game at the Coliseum in 1982. Wow. Okay, well, you, yeah. you set me up for that. So in the next 40 years, are you still going to be an A's fan? <laughs> oh, man, that's a hard, that's a hard <laughs> question to start with. Um, you know, it, for me, it's, it's personal and it's professional. And I think, quite honestly, if it was just the personal side already, I might have been done with this, honestly. Yeah. It's the professional side. And the curiosity and the fascination with this process, the frustration with this process that's that's kept me into it on an everyday basis. And by the way, I cover it on my YouTube channel on a daily basis. I want to give you guys a ton of thanks and credit for staying in on this story and all the angles and developments. I mean, you guys have a you know big national platform and it's growing. And I just uh, to see others also you know putting attention to it, I, I give you guys a lot of credit. So what thank are we you, missing? Brody. We appreciate that. Yeah, go ahead, Kratz. What are, what are we missing? I appreciate you saying that because being on this show, being a ex-player, being on the East Coast, I will admit I am so ignorant to this topic until we start doing this show in March because all I've ever watched is the networks and the media outlets that really don't, don't – they do whatever they can to not disseminate any of the Oakland A's. So – all of that, all that I've learned in the last year, 10 months that we've been on this show, I feel like I'm still missing things because I'm not out there. So what are we missing? The devil is in the details. And I think the national media, it's not their fault, but they have so much to focus on. And actually, like when I was out in Nashville at, at winter meetings, I guess about a month ago, and talking to the Mad Vaskersians of the world and John Morosi's, and I, I'm trying to get their you know, take and say, well, what what is the national perspective? How do you guys see this? And they're like, well... Obviously, people love Vegas. They love the idea of anybody going to Vegas, like a vacation or a baseball team. It doesn't matter to them. But then when we actually start to get into the weeds and all of the, the kind of the loose ends that exist about this plan, this process, 
I don't think anybody's here to say, and I, and I know, Scott, you've talked about it on, on this show. Uh, nobody is overwhelmingly against the idea of Major League Baseball in Las Vegas. It's just that under these circumstances, with these plans and this process, and in a situation where it's time to show the math, like we we literally have baseball and the owners unanimously approving this relocation. And I thought, at least on November 16th, that, okay, here are the details would all come spill out. They'd all become public. We still don't know how they're going to put a ballpark on nine acres in the back parking lot of the Tropicana Hotel. We still don't know how they really are going to rely on tourists to sell out the stadium for projected 30 straight years. I kid you not, 30 straight years of sellouts. They don't have an interim home of three seasons after this upcoming one at the Coliseum. There's no uh, language of, of private financing, how that's going to work, cost overruns. Like nobody just has $1.2 billion sitting on a table ready to go. And then last but not least, the whole media market size. I mean, you guys know baseball's in a weird spot already with RSNs and the rights deals. And they're going from one of the you know top five, seven markets in the country to 40. So anyway, to sum it all up, and, and I think fans in Oakland – they're already frustrated enough by potentially losing their baseball team. But when you lose it under those circumstances and so many questions that don't have answers, I think that's that's the toughest part to take right now. Here's the speculation part that's going around, the, the funding. Like where where is that money coming from? And it doesn't seem like anything's going on with that now because the money is always talks at the end of the day. Like there's no design coming in. Like where where are they at with these next steps if you know anything? I know nothing. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it, it's $380 million of public funding, but even that has some structure to it. It's tied to that site. Like if the A's all of a sudden wanted to change sites again, you realize the Tropicana site's not even their first, not even their first location in Las Vegas. Um, that, that, that was a whole thing when it initially came out. But, you know, John Fisher, obviously part of the Gap family and uh, he has money. His family has money. They're tied into banks and, and there might be a loan. But this is also a really bad time to take out a loan with interest rates being are what they are and cost overruns. I mean, it's it's spelled out as one point five billion dollars. That's why people want to see these renderings. Can you actually do something Vegas caliber that, you know, competes with the sphere? It competes with all the other Vegas amenities and, and entertainment. Can you really do it for one point five billion dollars? Because even when they built the football stadium down there, it turned out to be closer to two, you know, so it's there are so many questions. And, and you're right. The money part of it, the, the public part is spelled out in a lot of ways that that happened this past summer. But the private part has no details, just like there's no renderings, just like there's really no information. So um, I, I try and communicate the best I can. But most of my communication is in the form of here are the questions that don't have any answers. Yeah. And it's a super small chunk of real estate, you know, I mean, I appreciate you you know, pointing out how we have tried to keep this story in the national sphere. We bring it up to other players, even kind of random players, which I'll, I'll get to. I have a question on that front for you. But there's been jokes from people like uh, they're just not going to have an outfield there. <laughs> like, it's a tight space. That's why everyone's dying to see what this all looks like, because, you know, the initial sketches weren't the real sketches, that's what we're referring to for fans. That's that another thing. Completely right. in the loop here, right? So those initial sketches, and I don't know if this has been the case in the past, but those initial sketches were just kind of marketing material to show what things could look like, but they weren't real. Even more than marketing material, they were debuted on May 25th, which was the same day, the very last day the A's could submit their request for public funding in the, in the Nevada legislative session. So the, the request for money came as the same day that the renderings came out, right? 
<clears throat> 60 days later, I kid you not, from May 25th to July 25th, on July 25th, it was published in the Las Vegas Review Journal saying that the A's were not even operating on those renderings anymore, that they were just kind of a placeholder. You could wad those up because the, the renderings will, will look nothing like what, what the ballpark actually does. By the way, those renderings highly criticized because the site is 35 acres. And if you look at those pictures, this the ballpark takes up like half the site. That's not nine acres. Um, so again, a lot of this has been misleading in that sense of the renderings and also to get that push through in the public financing. Of course, the, the politicians, and they they loved what they saw in those renderings, and then all of a sudden those renderings don't mean anything. So when the real renderings come out, right, that everybody's expecting, and I know we'll get into that, everybody's curious about what is what is the accuracy level of these new real renderings? What do you think, I'll go big picture on this one, what do you think is the percentage chance, and it, it could be incredibly low, obviously, at this point, as things have gotten approved, even though we are still waiting for a lot of clues to be um, helping us figure out what things will look like in Vegas. What do you think's the percentage chance that there's some massive upset? <laughs> Funding's not there. Something pops up, right? I, I know there's been that that union battle from the teachers. It doesn't mm -hmm. look like that's going to surface into anything. Percentage chance that the Oakland A's somehow pull off an upset and remain in Oakland. So I could answer your question, I think, in two different ways, Scott. There's the first one of how much What's the percentage of, of Vegas not going through or, or, or getting massively delayed? I, I think they're right now, and as time goes on, and they cannot produce renderings and they cannot produce details, I think that percentage is ticking up. Is it 20 30%? Possibly, but that's one side of it. The other side of it is what's the possibility that something gets upset in Vegas and that means they stay in Oakland? That, to me, is still such a minimal percentage, if nothing, and I, I say that only because until the team is owned and run by somebody completely different, I mean, I, it's been very clear this group wants to get this team out of Oakland. And I think the bridges have already been burned to the extent that I, I don't see how there's any turning back to Oakland at the current point, the way things currently stand. I'm not going to say it's impossible under some different way, but as things are right now, I don't see them ever coming back. So, so again, the Vegas side happening or not, that's one part of it. But coming back to Oakland is so far-fetched at this point under this group. I think that's near near nothing. How far? You said the bridge is burned. How far did that fire burn? Has it burned the entire Northern California, all the sites? Because before it was San Jose was talked about. And then there was like rights, you know, right refusals. Have they right. burned all their goodwill in – If if – Fisher continues to be the owner. Have they burned all their goodwill in Northern California? I, I think they've certainly the fan response and the public response is not great right now based on just how long this process has gone on. It's almost like, guys, if this were a done deal and it was all set and they just moved on and, and overnight it was done, the public would move on. But because there's so many things that make you say, wait, this isn't actually done. This may not happen. Why can't you just get on with it? Um, I'm not here to speak for the city of Oakland, the mayor's office, Alameda County. I do think that they would still negotiate. They would still try and make things happen. Those other sites you talk about, they're probably all done with. It would really be down to Oakland at the current Coliseum site, which is literally ready to go. Challenge is the A's are finishing off their purchase of 50% of that Coliseum land. So they own half of it with the city of Oakland. That's going to be interesting. 
Uh, and then the other site is Howard Terminal. It's 55 acres. It's got all basically all the approvals that it needs. The Port of Oakland wants to move forward on it. The city of Oakland wants to move forward on it. They have $600 million of infrastructure money all lined up from, from state and federal grants. So to answer your question, like the, the opportunities still exist in Oakland. They've just got to get somebody interested in actually pursuing it and not turning away from the negotiations that were so very close back in April. All right, so here we are, February 5th. You've been through this entire drama. You kind of hit on it a little bit right there. Would it have just been better if they had done what the Baltimore football team had done and said, <laughs> pack it up in the middle of the night and a clandestine, just nobody knows about it, secret, hey, we moved to Vegas, neat story, here we go. Would that have been better or would that have been more scarring? Usually, I think when you're trying to pull a fast one, isn't the key part of that pulling a fast one? Um, <laughs> this is not fast. No, and it's and that's the point. Is like the longer this drags on, the more the more details, the more time uh, exists for idiots like myself to wait, go wait wait a second. What that that can't be right. Um, and so again, I I think and and let me be very clear about this. You know, people in Oakland are so convinced based on what they know and the plans that have been laid out, they're so convinced that someday they will be pro proven right and that Oakland was a better option and that there were opportunities here and that Las Vegas still has a lot of questions. I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying Las Vegas is impossible. It's kind of like what Paul Sewald said on your guys' show not too long ago, that just under these circumstances, I'm not exactly sure how that's going to work out. But nobody in Oakland wants to say, I told you so in seven years when they also just lost their team. There's going to be no reward in saying, yep, I was right, but oh yeah, we, we lost the team. Oh, okay. Top father. Wait, I got a quick one on <laughs> Seawald if I can just a follow up here. So we've, I think all as a unit on FT said, like you're saying Vegas, I think can house a team. Here's yeah. the problem I have. This is not the right organization to do that. There's been so many mistakes made. I think you need a fresh group that comes in and does that. And so playing off of what the Seawald conversation went into is that we asked a guy who's from Vegas about branding. Do you think that this team should be called the Vegas A's? Because it seems like they are so firm on that and think that the brand of the A's will help them. Decisions are all made for money, especially in our sport, right? This isn't just an Oakland thing. Like MLB is a money-hungry group. That's no secret. This is a business, okay? So the decisions are made because they say, Brody, we're going to be the A's. That'll make us more money, that branding, right? They'll still be Oakland fans. I think they're fucking wrong. I think that they should be called the Vegas something else, and that will feel like it's a fresher new thing in Oakland or in Vegas, I should say, for yeah. the fan base, even if it isn't a different organization. And I know they were even fighting with the city already about that, where Oakland, the city wants to keep the name the A's in case they ever get a new team. Why are they so obsessed with keeping that name? I think that's a massive mistake. I think actually, Scott, as much as we agree that baseball is about money, I, I actually think that they are trying to connect themselves to history and something that's existed. And I, I think, I mean, you know, the A's name dates back to literally, what, 1901. I actually think it's more of a preservation of history that they're worried about, you know, not only moving this team, but then eliminating a name that's been around for 120 plus years. Again, that's that's my um, that's my instinct on this. Because you're right. What is the benefit of keeping 
the A's name in Las Vegas. I also, last night when we were texting, by the way, I, I cover the San Jose Sharks. I do the same thing, their pre and post game show. And so I've watched the Vegas Golden Knights emerge in the last six, seven years. And that's the one thing about every time I've been to Vegas, it's very clear they love that team because it's theirs. It was given to them. It was an expansion team. They got so fortunate with their draft. By the way, they are not the prototypical expansion team by any means. They've already won a Stanley Cup in six years. They've been there twice to the final in, in six years. They got fortunate with the way the NHL works in its draft. But people are misled by that down there. They think that success is instant, that the A's will also have that success. They also look at the A's name and say, well, that's not ours. That's existed in Philly, Kansas City, Oakland, and it would be the first team, right, to to have the same name across four cities. I don't think they want Oakland's and Kansas City's and Philly's leftovers. I really don't. I actually think that's a turnoff to them down there. And so, again, it's amazing to me that, you know, in, in all of the the things that have been expressed, people in Oakland want to keep the name. People in, in Las Vegas don't really want the name. And yet, you're right, the team is insistent on, nope, we're actually doing this. We're, we're bringing Stomper down with us, too. <laughs> no, not Stomper. Stomper. Keep Stomper. I think Stomper might turn into a spearmint rhino when he's in Vegas, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys yeah, got that. I, oh, I, got I, that. I know it. I know what you're talking. I know what you mean there. <laughs> Many <What>? do. <laughs> Many do, except there. I've seen the ads. Beautiful soul. <clears throat> Google it. Um, no, don't Google it. Anyway, don't, Google it. don't mess up your Google <laughs> this search. Might be, this might be. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what? What have you? Have you heard? I can't even speak anymore. Thanks. <laughs> have you heard what they're gonna do with the stadium? If they do leave, is it going to stay up? Like, have you heard anything about that? Are they going to try and do something with it? Yeah, there's plans. They've got a group that wants to develop the 120 acres of the Coliseum site. Uh, the problem is the county of Alameda and the city of Oakland used to own the Coliseum land in Complex 5050. The county, a handful of years ago, made a sweetheart deal and sale to the A's to buy 50% of the land. And the A's just got called out on if there's a relocation, they owe all, all the rest of the money, which apparently they're paying up by the month of May. So by May, the Oakland A's will own 50% of the Coliseum land that they are vacating and want no part of in terms of their future there. That presents, to me, a huge complication. The city of Oakland, they want to move forward. With, it's, it's valuable land, guys. It's in the middle of our very built out Bay area. I mean, it's, there's a, it's got its own BART train stop right there. It's right off of interstate 880. So it is such a valuable piece of land for something. And yet the A's are going to own 50% of it. And the mayor has already said that she's worried about the A's kind of sabotaging it and, and holding Oakland hostage by owning half of it. Again, those are her words. I don't know what their interest is, but it's not, it's having a bad relationship already between the two. And then they own, they co-own it together. It's not good for for whatever the, the future holds at the Coliseum. All right, so I've got a question for you, Brody, because we've had a lot of players on, and I think most of them are just not in tune with what's going on. It's not really their job. Even the Oakland right. A's players themselves, and also they can only say so much. But I, I give them credit because they don't want to go all out sometimes if they don't understand what's going on with the situation. So I feel like we've at least been trying to help enlighten some of them because they'll be like, oh, they couldn't work it out. And we're like, it's much more complicated than that. So I wanted to ask you about a guy who grew up an A's fan um, in the area, right? So CC Sabathius said um, in November, it hurts me that we can't get a facility that can house professional athletes where they can play at the highest level. Um, now he works for the league now. He works on the owner side. So he's said, you know, he's been in the meetings about the 
relocation. You just said it's been hard trying to get a stadium growing up there as a fan, going to the same stadium as a kid. You just said, I mean, it's not feasible um, as you know, playing in that stadium is not fair. Uh, we need a new place to watch a baseball game and enjoy baseball. So he was pretty understanding and not critical of it. I think we can all infer at least partially why you know he would be on the side that he's on. But does it disappoint you when a player like that could be on the side of a rallying cry to say, no, this is possible. It's not like it is impossible, right? There's not some like, I don't know, old tablet that we found that says, thou must not have a stadium here if the, the <laughs> city doesn't give you $500 million. Now, it is possible to play Major League Baseball in Oakland with a large fan base. So when yeah. you see a player like that, in my mind, who could be part of a rallying cry to say, hey, this is not how it should be. We are getting screwed as a city. We are one of the more diverse cities in the country. And that is a big part of what our sport needs to be able to keep connecting with. What were your thoughts? I don't know Karsten Charles Sabathia personally. Uh, I, we have a lot of mutual people that we both know really well. It's just not somebody that I've I, – so I don't want to speak for CC. But, yeah, I saw that when it came out. And I was also quick to understand and realize that he is on the commissioner's ambassador group. Like he's yep. literally not just tied into baseball, but he's literally tied into Rob Manfred's close confidant of now players. I know several other players personally that are in that group. I've talked to them about it. And – they don't even want to comment on that, largely in part of just the, t the heat and the temperature of, of that. To your point, a, a little bit, and I would, I would also say I'm, I'm not sure what education CC has on this topic. He's heard what he's heard. I don't know where he's got it from or how much he's paying attention to this. Yeah, he's a Vallejo guy. So he, he should, you would think, his family and friends that, that live around here, and you would think that it would get passed on to him, just, hey, here's the background on this. But again, I also don't know what he's supposed to say. It is so unfair from the player perspective, and I could I could do a whole deep dive on this. In fact, I, I just put a video out on my channel yesterday, this morning actually, about how 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 bad I feel for the players in all of this. They're caught in the middle. It's not their job to worry about the ownership and the stadium, and, and they don't even know where they're going to play for next year. The team's not spending money to surround them with a good team. They can't even sign a free agent for more than a one-year deal because nobody wants to take that uncertainty of where's the team going to be in 2025. I mean, clearly CC Sabathia has not had a conversation with Trevor May, but again, I, th I think the player perspective is, is not what it actually is being said to be right now, if that makes sense. Like whatever quotes and things you'll hear in the, like you guys had Nick Allen on a while back and he was just kind of quick to, to kind of just get past that part of the conversation. I don't blame Nicky. I love him. That's not his damn job. And I appreciate you guys for like, you know, just, just floating it out there and just seeing, you know, kind of good, just seeing go going, going fishing a little bit. Maybe he did have some, maybe he really did want to talk about it, but so many guys are uncomfortable because they just don't know. And I don't expect them to know. And then the problem is people will quote them and they'll take that very seriously. So again, I know it's a long answer, but I think there's a lot to what you mentioned there. Don't feel bad for the players because as a minor league player, if I had an opportunity to play in the big leagues yeah. for the A's or for with, with Brent Roker, with, with Langoliers, with, you know, Nick Allen, Geloff, with guys yeah. who, who guys that are big league players, if I had an opportunity and it was the big leagues, 
I really don't care if it's in but, Oakland. But let me let me point this out to you though. Like you're on a team now, and you want to plan. You get one shot at your rookie season or your first couple years, and what is it like? Half of big leaguers that are rookies don't even make it to year five in the show, right? You like you want to be able to stay. You want to play in a in a coliseum that's packed or at least has more than two thousand fans. You want to be surrounded by a team that spends at least somewhere close to league average on payroll. Like you want to be given an equal platform. I, I I know what your point is, and it's totally understood. I'm just saying that being in Oakland A right now is a different experience than I think 29 other teams. Uh, talk to Christian Yelich about being a Miami Marlin yeah. back in when you know they were still the Florida Marlins. Like the the stories that he came out with through there, that stuff never came out until I played a you know until I played with him. He's talking about flying on planes that don't have the same that don't have air conditioning sweating on these planes so like what the players in oakland are going through yes they're in the big leagues but if the ownership never pays for any free agents i'm never going to say somebody in the minor leagues or somebody in the big leagues is a minor league player but they have a lot of minor league players that are just like i forget who it was some historian was like well we can get rid of all the players in the big leagues and just bring up the next wave of players that would play for a lot less money they're actually putting that into into practice so yeah, yeah. well i mean they, they've lost 100 games just, here's perspective for you in oakland since 1968 they've lost 100 games three times once was 1979 the second time was two years ago and the third time was last season so it's only happened three times it's it's now coincidentally happened twice now in back-to-back years and i'm, I'm not a betting man but I would expect that they'll flirt with 100 losses for a third straight season this year. Um, and, you know, look, when I talked to David Forrest at, uh, at Winter Meetings in Nashville, one of my assumptions was that, hey, you must be having a hard time, like, locking down any free agents for the future of your team externally because everybody's going to say, yeah, well, if I, if I sign a deal with you two or three years, where am I going to call home in 25 and 26? And he's like, that's absolutely a problem. It comes up in almost every conversation and negotiation he has. So it's and look, it's not his fault. Again, there's somebody else I kind of feel for right now. Um, not his fault. He's in the middle of it. We've been talking specifically Oakland. This is going to kill a fan base in Oakland. Are they going to become Giants fans? I doubt it. But my fear is it's going to kill a area of baseball. I feel like I've seen it because I have connections in some of the small, tiny little podunk towns that lost their minor league teams. We're talking about. 2,300 fans a night, but there's a connection to that community with baseball that is wiped off the map now. They may have an independent team. They may have – my fear is playing or is kids in Oakland are not going to like baseball. If they don't like baseball now, it's gone without an expansion team coming in the next – it's not coming – it's not happening in the next five years. So now it's, it's an entire, to me, it's an entire generation, five-year generation of kids who will not want to play baseball. And to me, that hurts the entire product. And this is also an owner issue. There's a clip of me on the internet uh, from our post-game show, the night that the public money was approved in Las Vegas. And I broke down in tears and it was not staged or planned or intentional, but I got to talking with Pip Roberts, our, my co-host and, and analyst, 
because I was out um, in a suburb, San Ramon, earlier that day, and I saw a kid wearing an A's hat. And for the first time, it hit me that in 10 years, if this move happens, you're not going to see any more kids with A's hats. In fact, it's going to quickly taper off and completely taper away. You're literally watching the process of extinction of a fan base, a franchise, traditions. You're watching it happen right in front of your very eyes. And so to your point, absolutely. And it's not – people – say Oakland. And that, that is a main, that's where the team calls home. But Oakland and the East Bay of the Bay Area is so many other communities between Berkeley and Emeryville, El Cerrito, Hayward, San Leandro, Castro Valley, Dublin, Danville. I can go on and on. But it's, it's, it's a whole huge region. It would be a, a big populated area in other parts of the country. It's, yeah, you're right. It is losing the team that's been passed down for at least a couple generations now. And uh, I, yeah, fans have already stated what they're going to do. Like this year and beyond, you know, some are saying I'm done. Some are saying I'm going to go, go, go to the parking lot and just never go into a game and just boycott that way. I can't tell even fans what to do. I don't know. There's no playbook for this. this. There's no script. When the Expos went to D.C. in the early 2000s, that was under a little bit of a different narrative. But that's only happened once in the last 50 plus years in Major League Baseball. So I don't even have advice for fans that say, well, what should I do? I don't even know what I'm supposed to do, quite honestly. I, I've got 100 and probably 30 pre and post game shows to do this year. I don't know how, that, how that's all going to happen, honestly. <laughs> you know what the advice is going to be for most people. Well, what are you doing? There's the 49ers and the Golden State Warriors. They're freaking awesome teams and clearly pretty well-run franchises. Just go to other sports. Even well, if can it costs you more per ticket, right? Here, here's a personal conflict I have. My dude is Bob Melvin. I love Bob Melvin. I met him, obviously, in his 10, 10 plus seasons here in Oakland. Um, our dog here at home is named Melvin. Uh, so, like, I'm looking across the bay right now, and I, I, look, I've always paid attention to the Giants. Who, who I cover and who I work for doesn't entirely define me. I went to Candlestick Park growing up. It's none of that. But, like, I'm all of a sudden – Kind of interested in what those guys are doing this year, Otani or not, if if that makes sense. But you should be, um, yeah. Well, and, and and I think a lot of A's fans are looking over and going, "Well, if this is it, I still love baseball." So we'll see. And again, I can't speak for everybody, but it's so early. It's, I say it's early. It's not early. It's late in this process. But people, there's so much dust in the air. People don't exactly know what they're going to do with their fandom. But I, I will say this: the departure of a team. The way they're doing it, the fashion they're doing it, if it were done in a different way, if it was just business, I think it might have a different taste in the mouth. Like when the Warriors went across the bay to San Francisco, granted, they left Oakland, but they were from San Francisco. That's originally where they landed when they came out here uh, for the very first time. Plus, San Francisco never had an arena. They're seven miles as the crow flies away from Oakland. Not great, but not a big deal. This one, totally different, and it's played out totally different. Your dog's name is Melvin? Labrador Retriever. That, He's nine years old. That, that is like a nine out of ten name for a dog. But you my, my wife with, was – You could have gone with Bomel. Like it might, that might have been the coolest name ever, Bomel, and it would have, have been still after your hero. I have the text thread of me and my wife. I, I screenshotted it from whatever, nine, ten years ago. We were, we were having that con – we wanted to name him after somebody A's related. And she's like, Melvin sounds like an old man. I was like, that's that's the best part of it. But here's here's the greatest part. When I used to show up to the Coliseum, people would say, hey, how's it going? Like, how's your day been? That's oh, great. I've already walked Melvin. I picked up Melvin's poop. I've told Melvin he's a good boy. Mm. And they're like, what? what? 
Uh, oh, the dog. <laughs> the dog. So that's what, I like that. Hey, th- by the way, it just gets me thinking. This is a reverse San Diego situation. You know, the Chargers leave San Diego. The Padres invest more in their ball club uh, and not just on the field. They just invested more in everything around San Diego um, baseball. And, you know, the Padres are the talk of the town. And that is a fact. This is the reverse situation where it's like, hey, if you're a big sports fan, especially if you're not playing baseball and you're 40 years old, but you got some disposable income, like you're just moving on. You're not going, going to go to Vegas every other weekend to Watch the ace and shed a tear. So my, my last question is, because you, you are covering this team on the field, like where are we at? Do you think this team, um, even when they move to Vegas, will spend money and become a legitimate franchise again? Because even when they had like their last set of mini glory days, the Olsen Chapman type era, yep. um, obviously we're looking at a team that was well built, but still didn't spend actually put them over the top. Do you think they'll ever be a franchise like that, given the way that they've run? Like, hey, we we tank for years, we get to this point, and I'm not telling them to be the Yankees, the Mets, or the Padres, but to at least be, you know, in the mid-market range to be a World Series contender. Like Arizona, right? The Diamondbacks yeah. will push in when they've got their chance. It's funny you mentioned San Diego first off. I just want to address that because we were there for winter meetings two years ago and just kind of walking around Petco Park again, it made me realize that if the Padres didn't build a new stadium and they were still playing, I call it Jack Murphy still, whatever whatever it was at the end, but if they didn't get away from there and get to something new, they probably also would have moved. And here was San Diego that put a brand new ballpark in kind of an underutilized warehouse district, well, right next to the gas lamp, which, oh yeah, great place to be, by the way. Uh, you know, they they took advantage. They are an identical situation of what Oakland was or what Oakland could be like with Howard Terminal. Use an area that people would love to come visit. But to your point, the difference is what the Padres have done in the last you know handful of years here, spending extreme amounts. But even before that, getting a good uh, crowd because they they paid for a good product, a, an interesting team that you go out and love to see. Here's the thing about the A's. They are so far off the average MLB payroll per season. Like they're a, they were $100 million below the average league average this past year. They're the only team in baseball that's never had a $100 million team payroll. They're one of three teams with the Royals and White Sox that have never given out a $100 million player contract. Eric Chavez had the biggest player contract early 2000s. Point being that they have so much money to they would have to spend in their first decade of Las Vegas an additional $1 billion just to get to league average of payroll. So if there's already questions about, hey, the stadium costs this and you know there's challenges there, paying for players is going to be a whole nother can of worms that nobody has really even gotten into yet. It sparked my interest. In, and when Scott said about Olsen and Chapman and that crew that they had, I know for a fact that they offered Matt Chapman seven-plus years over $75 million. What would have happened if he would have signed that? Would, would this kind of stuff have happened? Were, were the, those guys not accepting those extensions because they didn't like it or because they already saw this kind of thing coming down the road? You know, if you had, if you had Matt Chapman for seven years and that year was – it was his – 2019 All-Star season, he's still on this team. Maybe they keep Olsen around. 
Maybe they're not giving away Frankie Montas. Maybe they're not, you know, those kinds of things. Is this still happening or is this, is, was this going to happen irrelevant to any of that stuff? I think the quick answer is they all saw the writing on the wall and that they were not going to ever get the deals in Oakland that they could get elsewhere. That being said, those guys you mentioned, Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, Marcus Simeon, Mark Canna, Liam Hendricks, those guys loved Oakland. There is still a text thread that exists between Oakland players from the 2018, 19, 20 vintage. Like, what does that say about the group? They loved their teammates, each other. They loved playing for Bob Melvin. It just, it was going like as soon as, honestly, when the work stoppage happened and the lockout happened and, and they let go of Bob Melvin right before that, it was so clear that they were about to dismantle the franchise again. And actually, you mentioned the, the Matt Olson contract offer. Do a little research on the Marcus Semyon contract offer. It was, it was a layaway type contract. You guys talk about deferrals for Shohei Otani. It was a deferral <laughs> of a different kind. Marcus will pay you $4 million in the first year. For, for year one, and then we'll pay you like, a, it was almost like a Bobby Bonilla deal, but it wasn't even that much money. And this is your homegrown shortstop. Look what Marcus has turned out to be, a World Series champion and so on and so on, Gold Glover. But it's the writing was on the wall for those guys that their time was not long. And I, I think in the back of their minds, it was, let's try and hurry up and win here if we can, because we're never going to get the support that we deserve. So my last thought here is one based on what you said about the payroll. If they're not good, especially from the jump in Vegas, they will not go to the games. You will set even that franchise and that city's baseball back. So that is a major, major issue. There is so much shit to do in Vegas. You need to grab them right from the jump. And even the best teams that have the strongest fan bases, if they tank and they don't win games for a while, you lose people. It's just how it is. And the other thing, lastly, is Todd Father. Were you a Nets fan growing up? I was. I New Jersey Nets? Was. Oh, yeah. At, at, at old Continental Airlines <laughs> Arena? Continental so Airlines Arena. Big-ass Nets fan, right? Even for the, the shitty times, and it was stuff on Marbury and, and nothing else, and we were Keith terrible. Van Horn with the high sock. Van Horn, Kenya Martin, whatever, right? All that. They moved to Brooklyn. It's cool. I've been to some Brooklyn Nets games. I love it. But I, I don't care if they win or lose, no. and my be- basketball fandom went down once they left. I'm a Jersey guy. And once mm-hmm. they went there, it's not like a jump across. I mean, it is a jump across, but it takes forever to get there. Yeah. It, it wasn't the same for me anymore. And that's basically that's what's moving happen. to a very close situation. This is Oakland to Vegas. Point that's being, what, that's what will happen. You'll lose them. They're, There's they're even gone. one more thing. There's one more thing to consider. Brooklyn doesn't have Tiesto performing right up the street, if you know what I'm saying. There is so much competition for entertainment in Las Vegas. If you're the A's and you're saying, well, the Giants and their baseball stadium is too cool for us and ours, what's going to happen when you're in the entertainment capital of the world? How are you going to compete with that? You won't. Cirque du Soleil is going to just crush you because they never lose. They win every no. night. They nail that freaking flip the, every night. Right. Great <laughs> not every blue, blue man story. group doing their doing their little thing whatever they do they don't hey, and, and it's it's a slow burn too it's like ah i'll watch them and then like as the months and years go by like ah i'm gonna i'll root for the knicks whatever you know right. what i mean like that's what's gonna happen 100 it's a I was slow, a it's a slow fade fan. it's a slow fade it went away. I think they love they love Otani and the Dodgers in Vegas right now. Everybody's been saying this is a Dodgers town. And yeah. now that they've got Otani and Yamamoto, it's like, uh, I think some people in Vegas would rather jump on that brand new bullet train to L.A., <laughs> spend a night there, uh, rather than go see 
a $47 million team in the Las Vegas A's. Couldn't be more accurate there. I'm telling you, Brody. Um, and I'll finish with this. We got last eye bar with a super chat said, Brody, invite FT to the February 24th Fan Fest in Oakland by LDB in the Oakland 68th. What does that mean? It, it's not a Fan Fest. It's Fans Fest, as in they're the ones putting it on. I mean, you guys know that every team, right, usually has a Fan Fest. January, February, the A's used to have one. In fact, the Giants are having three different ones this year. For the last couple of years, and I think, you know, partly for obvious reasons and some for unfortunate reasons, the A's have just decided we're not going to do anything for the fans. It's going to stir up more worse than it is anything good for us. And so the fans each of the last two years, uh, last year and this year, have put together their own fans fest. The 68s is the fan group. Last Dive Bar is a, a merchandise operation. They celebrate the heritage of the Coliseum. So literally, I, I I don't want to speak for them and what they're planning, but like they have the city involved. They're shutting down Jack London Square. <laughs> they're, wow. they're putting on their oh yeah they they don't they don't mess around. Like that just goes to show you they are doing their own fans fest. Uh, late February, that's happening. So they're the same yeah, ones. that's they're what that's doing all about. The, they're doing the the lockout or whatever opening day. Oh, right? for opening day, the, the party in the it's going to be the best tailgate on the planet. It's going to be freaking awesome. I am. I, you know what? I'm going to go. Fuck it. You only live once. I'm going to one of those <laughs> events. Okay? What? I just, I marked it. I'm going to one of those events. FT I'll live. live. I'll be a reporter there. <laughs> and if we can do a show there, great. I'm going. I'll pay myself there. So don't worry about it. I'm going. I'll figure it out. Right? Come stay you in my house. I'll, uh, anything anything you need, call uh, call Uncle Brody. I'm down. I want to stay in that room. Put, with put the, the camera on your head, though, when you go around. <laughs> Dude, I'm down. I'll bring the GoPro, the whole deal. I like that a lot. But yeah, this was, there you go. This was important though, um, Brody. And obviously I'll be on your show next week. So uh, we do this for the city of Oakland and the fan base there, but also for the game of baseball. Because that's the problem here too that I think we documented pretty well is that this hurts our sport and the young fans of our sport, the business of our sport, the whole deal. It's just that we don't get to make those calls. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's yeah. been it's been tragic. It's been traumatic. I'm, I'm not even kidding, guys. I mean, I've I've lost a lot of sleep and since April when all this kind of came out and uh, personal side, the professional side, this has been rough. I, I know some people with the A's say it's been rough on them. Uh, it's it's been rough on the fans. Yeah. And everybody surrounding surrounding the, the operation. Well, Brody, we'll talk about it more next week, dude. You're, you're a star. Really appreciate you coming on, um, especially with, you know, the rendering news coming out or really the lack of news. So you can follow yep. Brody at BrodyNBCS and definitely check out his YouTube channel at Brody Brazil, obviously for all the pretty background and the whole deal. What do you got? You got last last word? I just want to say I, I love what you guys do, and I've been an early subscriber. Uh, I watch you guys all the time. So to have – when I got the invite – Usually I'm like, okay, I'll do it. This one I was excited about doing. So thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. I hope it lived up to expectations because I think we had you oh, for yeah. like 35, 40 minutes, but it flew by. <laughs> Cruising, it's baby. all good. So, man, appreciate all good. it. We have a fan. Yes, we have a fan. We have a sub. One of those subs is real. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Brody. I'll talk to you next week, dude. Thanks, guys. See ya. Thank you. Good stuff. I think that's important. I think there's a lot of people that are not keeping up with the story, especially because there is news fatigue more than ever in our world, right? Most stories expire in like five seconds. And some people are like, oh yeah, I forgot that A's are moving to Vegas. I'm like, yeah, that's still kind of happening and it's an ongoing saga. So as you can see, Brody's not just a pretty background. He's also got 
a lot of good information. He's got some clout. He's got some yeah, clout. yeah. Been talking about bringing him on for, for a minute.